What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I am your host, Mitchell Manis. And today, uh, we have a March Madness preview for you all. The Woo! tournament is finally back after two years and my heartbreak last year of Rutgers essentially being a lock and then having everything just ripped out like my heart just like collapsed but right. the good news uh good news just as of like five minutes ago I, as you may have seen on our story what is this thursday night uh after tonight's victory Rutgers is apparently a lock they're dancing baby they're dancing Shref is also with us today uh he's That's making right. his 13th appearance on the show uh it's always it's always a pleasure to have you on more of a pleasure for me to be here trust me it, it it's always a good time it's always a good time i'm excited look like jack do you have something to say no oh no. sorry you got really close to the microphone i thought you were gonna say something no i'm just reading the closed captions behind the scenes uh to the <laughs> listeners i put on these auto enabled or enabled auto transcriptions from zoom and they're pretty off and it's funny yeah you shouldn't have done that or else you're gonna be very distracted while we're talking here yeah anyway as i as i said at the beginning we have a march madness preview today but a little bit different uh we interviewed someone someone he was he was fascinating he was very knowledgeable uh we interviewed craig meyer writer for the pittsburgh post gazette he focuses on pit football and pit basketball and he is just a wealth of knowledge of college basketball. He, he really is. Scores, he knew players. And I feel like I know a lot my college basketball. I've said this before. It's a very extensive sport to follow. There's so yeah. many people and that you have to remember and everything. But I'm fully immersed in it. Uh, but Craig is just on a whole nother level. Yeah, he really humbled you. He lives and breathes it. It's impressive. <laughs> yeah, so he, it was a fantastic interview. Uh, he... And again, I'm still confused. I, I kind of wasn't really sure in the beginning when I asked him about this, but you guys know him because he spoke in a class. A few, a, a few different uh, ways. It started, I think, Jack. The first time was that panel originally, right? Yeah. And we went to talk to him in person, and then I mean, we've been following him on Twitter since freshman year. But then he's also he's always been very eager and helpful with kids at Pitt, and especially the two of us, even just with like he he helped me with a with yes. school. Like he's he's. He's just very, very nice, very eager to help, and he's a very down-to-earth guy. Yeah. Yeah, so we spoke to him. Um, it was about 40, 45 minutes. It was a great time. Uh, talked about pit basketball. Talked about uh, the tournament in general, how it's going to be different this year uh, compared to last. And then we got into some teams, teams that he likes, teams that potentially could be on upset alert in a couple weeks when the tournament starts. True. Well, now it's about a week, a week from tomorrow. Um, so it was, it was a great time and yeah, we, we were talking about Rutgers a little bit at the end as well. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited. Marsh is back. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm looking at bracketology like three times a day, even though I know Joe Lenardi is not going to update it more than once a day, but yeah, I just look <laughs> at it multiple times a day and, um, it's getting warm out too. It's like I, I, all the stars are aligning at once here. It's great. True. Yeah, Jack, are you going to – Kieran's coming over uh, for our – we're continuing our sun, Selection Sunday tradition. We're going to be eating some cheesesteaks and watching Selection Sunday. So well, I unfortunately our, don't have fun. access to to a proper cheesesteak here, um, but I'll for sure be watching, and I'll be, on our, I'll be on our annual call for discussing our brackets, of course, on Sunday evening. 
Yeah, that's kind of our thing. We, our tradition is we, as soon as the brackets are revealed, we immediately do our predictions. The way to do uh, it. The way to do it. Right. So, and also, we've said it a couple of episodes, maybe just the last episode, but everyone be on the lookout for the Hogline uh, tournament challenge on that's right. the ESPN app. So we will be hosting that again. And um, looking forward to another thrilling tournament. And um, we will we will transition you here to the episode with Craig Meyer. But first, as always, you know, we got to talk to you guys about Mr. T's tuxedos. Of course. Can't forget about Mr. T's. Um, do you or someone you know have a wedding, formal prom, or big event coming up soon? Yes. Well, lucky for you, we have you covered. Mr. T's Tuxedos has the best suit and tuxedos in the area and will have you looking your best for your big day. With their main store located in Minersville, PA, they offer fitting services located in Center City, Philadelphia, as well as on-site fittings at your preferred location, folks. They can, they can come to you. If you wow. Uh, make sure that you mention that we sent you over here at Hogline uh, when you visit in-store or reach out with an inquiry and to take a look at their catalog and for all the information and the suits and formal attire that Mr. T's Tuxedos has to offer, visit MrTsTux.com. That's M-R-T-S-T-U-X.com. And remember, you only have one shot at looking your best. Be sure to take it with Mr. T's Tuxedos. Now on to the interview with Craig Meyer. It was a fantastic one. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest uh, is Craig Meyer, writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, covers specifically Pitt football and Pitt basketball. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well, guys. I'm doing well. I, I fear that you're overselling me here as a very special guest, but I will, uh, <laughs> I will try my best not to disappoint. Well, I just met you, but Jack and Andrew have... Uh, they love you. They, they said, I, where do you attend? You, they, where, was it during a class that you guys uh, crossed paths or what was that? A for, initially at a career conference. Well, prior to that, we followed him on Twitter for a while, but career conference and he spoke at a club we're a part of. So, yeah. It was that. And then he also, he recently helped me out with a, with an essay that I was writing. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> a very detailed response. So I was very appreciative of that. I was yeah, happy to do it, man. Yeah, do. Awesome. <laughs> so Craig, tell, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. I just gave you a brief introduction. Um, I also read your bio on, I think, WordPress that Jack sent me as well. Um, but yeah, if you want to tell the people a little bit about how you, how you got into what you uh, are doing and a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I've been working at the Post-Gazette now about I'm trying to do the quick math here about um, eight and a half years now, which is really bizarre to think about because <laughs> I started there right after, or not right after, but a few months after I graduated from college. So it, um, time flies by pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, you know, I've uh, been here a while. Um, initially covered high school sports and rock course basketball. I was, I guess the highlight of that tenure was um, they beat uh, Kentucky in the, uh, in the NIT my first year covering them. So that was pretty cool. Um, but then I covered Duquesne basketball and West Virginia football back when we still covered West Virginia football. And then for, I guess now almost the past five years, I've covered Pitt. So, um, you know, uh, before Pittsburgh, uh, I, I went to college up, at, uh, uh, up in Boston at a BU, um, graduated from there in 2012, grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, um, 
So I've kind of been all over the map, man. It's, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's sort of a nice blend between Louisville and, uh, and Boston. It has some kind of, you know, it's kind of a bit of a hybrid of the two, but I feel like it's got some of their better qualities. And, uh, you know, if I ever need to get home, you know, the Ohio, the Ohio river starts here and it flows right to Louisville. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if a car, you know, if the highways ever like imploded for some reason, I've just got a way to get home, but rent a boat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, or just like hop on a barge or something. I mean, those things go like, <laughs> an hour, but, hey, Cal, you'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So these guys I'm sure have a couple of pit pit basketball questions for you. Oh yeah. Um, a lot, lot of moves and I'm sure you've been very busy over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. It's been a hectic couple of weeks, man. It, um, yeah. Usually this stuff happens after the season ends or once it ends. Um, I guess in some ways it's been nice cause it's been spread out a bit. Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, three transfers, um, I guess today there was a rumored transfer that didn't end up coming to fruition. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's kind of the job sometimes. It's like, there's like, there's like chatter out there about something potentially happening. You like chase it for three or four hours and then nothing comes up. So <laughs> like, you know, did I really do anything? Um, but yeah, yeah, this is always an interesting time in the covering college basketball. I feel like even in the brief or not brief, but like even in my like, eight and a half years of the Post-Gazette, I feel like it's changed a lot, um, even in that time. I mean, there are a lot more guys who end up transferring. The you know, the transfer portal didn't used to be a thing. It would just be guys transferred. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not one of the people who really, you know, demonizes it much. Like, a lot of these guys are just doing what I think is best for their career, for their sure. families, for their lives. And, um, you know, I, I know it makes coaches' lives harder, but especially in the ACC and a school like Pitt, I mean – they get paid a lot of money to have these headaches. Uh, <laughs> I don't, uh, I feel a little bit bad for him, but my sympathy is a bit limited, I guess. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, I can kick off a pit question, actually. I mean, is it definite or uh, maybe you can give a percent chance like Champagne is going to declare? I've gone back and forth on this so much. Um, like early February, Really, I mean, until recently, I would have said yes, mm-hmm. especially given some of the places I had seen him mocked or where he would appear on big boards. And like the other thing with him, too, that I always keep in consideration is like I, I genuinely don't really know how high his ceiling is. Like, I don't think he's someone who can necessarily play his way into being. I mean, it, unless there are dramatic improvements made as an outside shooter and as an off ball defender and as more of a well-rounded offensive threat. Like I genuinely just don't see how his like stock will end up being that high. Mm-hmm. I mean, he always had the benefit, even if he ends up staying here four years, he's young for his grades. So like that is one thing that potentially helps. Mm-hmm. But I think, and this may be recency bias, like I think given what happened over the past three weeks, especially once Audie's Tony and Xavier Johnson transferred, like Right. He looked a little overwhelmed at times. I and, agree. Like, started to see some of his his limitations more. Where like, I still don't think he's at a point in his career where he can create for himself. Right. Um, I think he's dependent on a lot of things, and like some of the things he creates for himself, like he's an exceptional offensive rebounder, which like that's a very yeah. great skill to have. But that also presents him with better scoring opportunities. Like he's not necessarily someone who like. You know, there was some talk at, earlier in the season. I feel like it started around the Wake Forest loss 
when it's like, okay, how do we create plays for him or like build an offense around him? And I don't know for all he scored and all the numbers he put up, I don't know if he's necessarily that kind of guy right now. Um, and I think as the year went on, I don't know if he wore down, but like he was missing a lot of shots that he would typically make. Um, yeah, especially like yesterday. Where was that yesterday? Or whatever. Or Miami. Time's flat circle, yeah. It's... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he looked not that great in all, against Miami in our only ACC tournament game. Yeah. yeah, so I don't like, you know, I, I, I don't think NBA teams look at that stuff too, too much. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't necessarily care like how he did in the first round of the ACC tournament. They want to know what he can, sorry, what he can be over the next 10 years. But for someone like him though, I do think that that sample size is small because he wasn't someone who, uh, who is a highly touted recruit who was on, you know, who is on these teams radars, even when he was in high school, like not too, like not too many guys are like that at, uh, anyway like that's limited to like the like top 10 top 20 guys yeah um but he was an unheralded recruit and his first year was good like he was you know he probably should have made the all acc freshman team that year he was a leading scorer and rebounder but he still wasn't a guy who was thought of in that way so like right. his body of work now is is a covid impacted like compressed season so maybe there is something to like maybe a few games like his teams get more tape on him like maybe that does make some kind of a difference um, as they get a fuller picture of who he is. Awesome. You, you want me to go, Jack? I, I sure, yeah. Go um, so I guess just because of what's been going on, we obviously had two of our probably most popular players transfer within the same few days of each other with Xavier Johnson and Aldis Tony. And I think a lot of people's perceptions kind of shifted in terms of who they thought was maybe the more valuable player out of those two, especially this year. So what do you think going into the next year? Who do you think out of those two is going to, you know, show more of a difference in this team in terms of like missing out on those two players? It'll probably be Tony. Um, I think, and again, this might be some recency bias too. Like I think that Femi Odukali is good enough right now that even if he's not necessarily, and this is maybe an unpopular opinion, because I think if you ask some Pitt fans, they would say that he is already better than Xavier Johnson. I would agree (laughs) with that. I think he's less frustrating, but, um, but I, I think that with a full off season, a full and relatively normal off season, I think that he can make some, some strides going into next year. And I think that he's good enough at that spot. Like, again, I, I think he showed that in that game. Um, I don't think he's going to be somebody who like in the ACC tournament, I don't think he's going to score 28 points a game. Like I think he could <laughs> realistically be someone who can maybe threat with like your threat like scoring double digits, like maybe average like 10 points and four or five assists per game um, and be more of a, a steadying hand. Um, Audie's Tony is a little trickier. Um, I think William Jeffers could eventually kind of fill that role a bit. Um, I mean, there are just a couple, it's just like the timing of it's bad. Like this would have been, if he could have said that Audie's Tony stayed one more year, he, he could have gotten a little bit more playing time. Uh, Jeffers could have and then kind of eased into that role a bit more. Now you're going to be asking him, um, he's going to be 18 next season because I know every broadcaster brings up that he's 17 now. <laughs> but he'll still be young. Like, I mean, this year he was supposed to be a junior in, uh, a junior in high school. And like, it, it's repetitive to say, but like, he is really young. Um, so I, uh, I think that he's someone who could eventually slide into that role. Um, I think he's a... I, th- I think he's already a decent defensive player. Offensively, still has a little bit of a ways to go. Like, 
And I don't think it's going to be hard for him to replicate some of what uh, what audience Tony did, especially offensively. I mean, he was averaging almost 15 points a game when he transferred um, and was shooting it fairly well. Um, with a Jeffers, I, I, you know, and he's still not the same defender that Tony was when he left. I mean, which is no knock on him again. He's eight or he will be 18 next season. And, so Tony's several years older, had more years of Division One experience. I, I, again, I think he, he can eventually be close to that. I mean, even better than that. Um, but it's I don't think he'll be able. I don't think it'll be quite the same. I don't want to say seamless, but I, I don't think he'll be able to fill that, that void as much as Femi Odukale will at point guard, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that's fair to say. No, I completely agree. Um, well, do you guys have any other pit-related questions? We can move on I, to. Uh... I have one more quick one, and this is more of a personal one because the the main the main thing that I saw with this team, and it's been this way since since my freshman year, is a lack of a uh, a big man presence. Um, obviously, Hughley and his whole situation isn't isn't ideal, and I, I just think Terrell Brown. I, I have my own opinions on Terrell Brown, but I'll, I'll I won't I won't get too deep into those. But do you think that getting getting a, a legit big man would, would really change the outlook of the team a lot, or do you think it wouldn't make as much of a difference as people might think? No, I think it could help. Um, I mean, that would be one thing. Like if if a Justin Champagne comes back, I mean, if they get, I think they just need like a competent big man. Um, the problem with the problem with what they've had, because like they're not going to get a, a star big man. No, like their best bet would be taking a flyer on a freshman um, and hoping that he develops into something. But the thing, the thing is, is like, I is cream cool. Bali made a lot of progress from his freshman year to his sophomore year, but yeah. I still would see him out there. And like, he did some good things, but I, I looked at him and I'm just like, this guy is very well, like he, he would be a great backup to have. Yeah. But the problem yeah. is he's a backup who's playing like 25 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, and that number was higher as the year as the year went on as John Keegley got suspended. Um, I mean, that's a sad thing with Keegley, man. I think he could have been that. Like, I we saw him. Very excited for him. We were very yeah. excited. <laughs> yeah, like I saw him, and I'm usually not a guy who tries to make too much of like high school tape, but I saw his highlights, saw the numbers he put up. I went up to Cleveland to like to see him during one of his team's practices for a story I did. And I saw some of what he did, and I was just like, this is a – like, Pitt hasn't had a guy, like, a good, reliable, productive big man in a while. I mean, like, I guess, like, Talib Zana would probably be the guy that you that you would go back to because they had uh, – when when I first started coaching, they, uh, they had they had, uh, they had Michael Young. Um, but he was 6'8". He was kind of more of a – he was almost more of, like, a three or a four who happened to just be playing five. Um so and Hugo, I, I thought just like a big guy, a big body guy who can gobble up rebounds. He's a decent outside shooter. He's a really good passer, um, you know, especially out of the post. And like defensively, he's, he still had a ways to go. Um, certainly could have still stood to lose some weight, um, you know, and get in better shape. But I mean, I still kind of firmly believe that if he wouldn't have gotten uh, suspended by the end of the season, he would have been getting the most minutes at the five. Got it out. Yeah, and I I agree with you said about uh, Koulibaly. I, I I love him. Like I think he's like a really nice nice guy. Um, I mean I I I have dubbed him as the best Kareem to ever play basketball. 
Um, but no, I agree. He he should be coming off the bench. We do we, we would be better off with a bit more competent big man, as you said. I agree. Yeah, but I guess we can move off of Pitt now. Yeah, for a team that's uh, you focus on March Madness. Right. Um. The the first question I, I wanted to ask you, Craig, is how how different do you think this year's tournament is going to be compared to others? Obviously, the main change it's all in one location, not all spread out across the country. Um, do there any like changes that you think or things that'll just be different about it? I know, and it's just a weird season, as you all kind of alluded to earlier. There's teams that went like a week or two without with without games, postponements. Um, what do you think? Do you think this is going to be different? It'll be interesting because I'm I'm curious how many cases you're you're going to see like what happened with Duke today, right? Where you have a team that has a positive test. And then they're done. Like if, like God forbid, if that happens to like Gonzaga, that's going to be crazy. And like they've had COVID issues previously, so you know maybe they have all the maybe they have all the antibodies again. I'm I only know so much about this, so I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to go on too much further because I'll probably just end up. You know, I'm a product of Kentucky public schools, so I'll just end up sounding like a bozo. But he, that I think is one thing I'll be interested in. I'm also going to be interested in the fact that like with limited crowds like i kind of think in some cases there will be fewer upsets because of that because what happens in those games is like say it's a 413 game and it's close at the end like everybody in that building who is not a fan of the four seed is rooting for the 13 seed yeah and like right. that those that atmosphere gets crazy it makes, um, it makes a big difference for sure. exactly so like i i kind of wonder in some cases if you reduce the variables that come with these games and it's a more controlled atmosphere I think those are eventually going to favor the better teams. And yeah. this is a year too, where like you have very clearly defined like best teams. Like it's, it's pretty much for most of your, like a Michigan threaded for probably a little bit for probably like three weeks or so, but like pretty much for the entire year, it's been Gonzaga and Baylor. Um, and I just, it feels like one of those years, like I've had it before where I know when I was a freshman in high school, it was, so this was 2005 and it was Illinois and, and the North Carolina. Those were like the top two teams pretty much the entire year. They ended up facing off in the final four or in the title game. And it was great. You know, it was a great game. I think it was like 75, 70 Carolina won. Then a couple of years later, it was Florida with like Joe Kim Noah and Al Horford. They were the defending champs. They were the number one team, I think most of the year. And then you had Ohio State with Mike Conley and Greg Oden. Um, and they were, um, and they were like, you know, they had the top freshman class in the country, one of the top, top freshman classes ever. And they were, they were like the two, number two or three team for most of that season. They met in the title game. This feels like that could be one of those years. Um, I think there are certainly upsets that, that can happen. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those Big Ten teams ends up in the title game, like in Michigan or in Illinois. I don't think Iowa is good, uh, is good enough defensively to do it, but um, yeah, it, it, it feels like a year that's very conducive to favorites, which like, I love upsets. I love Cinderella's, but like, I also like, I think that they have their limits. Like I kind of at a certain point in the tournament, like for them to be gone. Um, you know, I, I always go back to the uh, 20 uh, to the 2011 final four when it was Butler and VCU. Right. And like they're great stories, like, but that was the worst Final Four of my lifetime. <laughs> like that title game, I think, was like fifty-three to forty-one, and uh, UConn won. But 
oh man, like it, that was when I rest. I'm like, okay, I like when you guys like, I if one of you guys gets to the final four, great. It's really cool. It's a fun story, but like the novelty of it in some cases is kind of gone because like George Mason did it in 2006. I, I remember when that happened. That was crazy. Like I would never thought I would see a team like that in the final four. Um, and then you had VCU and we've had, uh, you know, we had Wichita State one year and we had uh, a couple a couple of years ago, we had uh, Loyola, Loyola with, yeah. with yeah. the sister jeans. So I feel like we've kind of, I feel like we've gotten our fill. Like I am, I'm very firmly like team blue bloods. Uh, you know, it's probably from growing up in Kentucky, but um, yeah, that that's about what I'm expecting for the tournament this year. I think those would be the main things. Right. I mean, I, I, there's, I'm not quite as ballsy to predict this in my bracket when it comes out on Sunday, but I'm looking at it here. I did some research, but every year from 2013, to 2018 so that's six years there was a seven seed or lower in the final four so like you mentioned there was that wichita state year there was a year it was um there was was uconn kentucky the one year in the final with julius randall like that year and then syracuse in there yeah syracuse in 2016 and didn't dayton make it once or Dayton made it like a lead they got really close that was in 2014 Right. So yeah, there's always a team that just comes like that's a little bit underseed that it makes a run. And that's a, another question I also wanted to ask you. We kind of you talked out a little bit with Iowa how they might be vulnerable. Um, their defense also uh, Joe Weiskamp is hurt. I don't know if he's going to be able to play. Um, I was going to ask you wh- who are some like top 25 teams or like potential one through five seeds that you think that could be upset in the in the first round of the tournament. Like who who do you think some uh, the hot seed for a Virginia and UMBC type of thing. I um, I feel bad. I feel bad singling them out because I do like them as a team, and I love you know I I love their being a team outside the power or I guess in basketball it's the the, the power six doing well. But Houston's a team that I I kind of haven't been entirely sold on. They've got a decent they've got a decent resume. They've got a talented team, but like they have some games where they just like don't play that well and they either eke out a win against a bad team or in some cases you even lose to them like they lost to East Carolina a few months ago and you know maybe that's out of their system but like that's a team like you know they're probably positioned to be a two seed now but like I think they would win a 215 game but like in that game against a seven or a ten like I mean, my theory on the NCAA tournament's always been like, I mean, there are some teams that just defy this because they're just that good. Like, you know, Carolina in 2009 comes to mind, Kentucky in 2012. Um, but like, once you get past the first round, like even if you're uh, even if you're a one seed, like that second round game could be coming against a team that was in the top 25 for most of the year. Um, so yeah, like that, that's where there are definitely some, some pretty good upsets. Uh, you know, I'm going through the list. You're like, I know that uh, I think Ohio State before today had lost four straight. That'd be one team I would certainly uh, look as as a potential upset victim. Villanova is really injured now. I could see that. Um, trying to think beyond that, like, because like some of these teams, I don't necessarily know how surprising it would be. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think I think Nova definitely stands out and. Um, and even like Florida State too. I mean, the thing with them is they're so athletic and long. Like I think that 
for teams that are less talented than them, that's just a nightmare matchup. So um, I don't, cause like they just lost to Notre Dame, like, you know, had yep. they won that game, they would have won the ACC titles. Like, so potentially them to, like, they're a team I could see more is like falling victim to a second round upset. But although at this point there, I think they're probably like a four or five seed. So that wouldn't really even be an upset. They'd be playing a four or a five. So yeah, those would be the teams that immediately come to mind at least for, as uh, as as potential upset victims, you uh, funny mentioned Houston. I was actually looking at their uh, just their player stats. I noticed that they all like their notable guys shoot pretty poorly. And I looked as their at their team field goal percentage. Only they shoot forty three percent as a team, which is ranked one hundred ninety third. Um, however, uh, in field goal percentage allowed, it's only it, they allow thirty seven percent. So which is first. I just thought that was an interesting stat that I wrote down. Um, but yeah, about Nova too. Uh, we uh, we grew up near Colin Gillespie, who is their point guard, got hurt. Uh, I watched him throughout high school, so I was we're pretty disappointed that he it's uh, going to be out for the tournament. But yeah, I agree with that. That was sad to see. Yeah, very vulnerable now for sure. They were right. They were the first team that came to my mind when I was looking at that question of who could be an early an early exit. Yeah, because like the one and like I don't know how their seating will be impacted by it. You know how much the uh, the committee takes that into consideration. Sure. Or like maybe they have the resume of like a of a three or a four seed, but people take into account the injuries, and all of a sudden it's like, eh, you know, let's make this team a six or a seven, especially after losing today to uh, Georgetown. But um, so maybe they wouldn't even be like a trendy upset pick sure. anymore. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that was sad to see with like Gillespie though. Cause, and I feel bad because I've made jokes for like a solid three years now about how he was, about how uh, about how Ryan Archidiacono has just been their point guard for the past eight years. <laughs> exactly. Um, but like no shade to Gillespie though, man. That dude's good. Yeah. Archidiacono's brother uh, started today. He got, yeah. I think he got the start. Oh, really? Yeah. He's, huh. I, I don't know. I'll I'll verify that real quick, but he um yeah he played 34 minutes. He was <laughs> over two. All right, and Is yeah. he a, he's a freshman, I think. I could be wrong. Sophomore. Okay. But yeah, and I also thought Justin Moore, uh, their other guard, was gonna be out for longer, but it looks like he came off the bench today. So, um yeah, but yeah, sad to see with Gillespie. Yeah, we were really hoping to see him uh, in the tournament. Um. On the flip side of that, who are some like mid majors or some lower seeds, Craig, that you think could, um, you know, make a run? Like you mentioned, Wichita State, Loyola, Chicago. Um, who, who are some who are some lower seeds that could be on the that could upset a team that you could see making a run? Yeah, you know, I think the I think that Loyola, especially given their success from a couple of years ago, will be a trendy pick. I mean, they're a top twenty team now. Um, Seating wise, I don't know how that would work. I mean, that would typically translate to being like a four or a five seed, but they're from a smaller conference and they don't have as many like huge wins. So I don't know how they would, tr- you know, how how the how the committee would possibly view that. Um, I think outside of them, like you know, um, you know, I guess a I guess the Gonzaga wouldn't technically qualify as like a mid major, and I think that they're kind of past that. Um, but outside of that, though, you know, like BYU is an interesting team. They played, um, you know, they played Gonzaga really tough uh, the other night. I mean, their team, they're 20 and six. Um, 
they would have been, I think, like a three or a four seed last year had the tournament been played. And that's a good program. They got some like high major guys on that team too, like uh, Matt Harms, who played at, at Purdue. He's like a legit seven footer. He's on that team now. Um, I think San Diego State's another interesting one. You know, they're 21 and four, playing a decent conference in the Mountain West. Um, I think beyond that, um, I think beyond that, it gets a little bit trickier. Like I do, um, you know, I think what could have been some of the more dangerous, like small conference teams like Belmont lost in their conference title game. That would have been a team that I definitely had my eye on. I think if Toledo wins the MAC, that could be another interesting group. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I think that those are the ones that really stand out. Um, you know, I, th I think Cleveland State too. Um, they won. Uh, they won the. Uh, they won the Horizon League and. They've appeared. I've you know I looked this up because I thought I thought this was the case. They this would be their third NCAA tournament appearance ever. In their previous two, they pulled off an upset. Like back in way back in like 1986, they beat Indiana in a 314 game, and then they beat Wake Forest in a 413 game in 2009. When like Wake Forest had like Jeff Teague and guys like that, so, and 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 Al Farouk Aminu, so. Um, that could be another interesting team just based on like history more than anything else. They, uh, they kind of lived to like mess things up a little bit. <laughs> I'm really liking Liberty. Uh, they're on a 13 game winning streak. Uh, I believe they won their, the a sun. Um, they shoot, I don't know where it ranks nationally, but they, I looked it up. They, they shoot 39.1% from three. Um, I don't know that I think they could get hot. So that was another one. And I, I, I identified Winthrop as well. They're, they only have one loss. Uh, yeah, I feel like so. Winthrop's gonna be a popular one. Win Winthrop was the main one because the one, uh, the one thing I like about them, and that's the one thing I always look for with these, with these, uh, with these smaller teams, is that their, uh, their pace of play is like very high compared to the that. league, and that, that's that's one of those teams where if you get them against a, a, a defensive team where they're not where they're not moving down the court as fast and they get hot, that's one of those teams where where that could turn into a fun game. So they were they were the main team I was looking at for sure. Yeah, I thought their coach, Pat Kelsey, you know, it's more obviously three years past the fact. Now, I think that I, I remember when Pitt was, um, ended up hiring Jeff Capel. I remember, I remember earlier in that process, that was a guy who was kind of like, yeah, he'd be interesting for them to look at. And, you know, he's obviously still doing well down there. Um, there was one other team I pulled up here, too. It's, it's, a, it's a UC Santa Barbara. Um, they're 20 and four. I think, you know, that's traditionally a pretty decent program. Um, actually probably like the most gorgeous campus like in the u.s it's you know this could maybe work against them but it is like literally on a beach so <laughs> this is what goes into my upset <laughs> as it should yeah <laughs> hey, sometimes sometimes these things are all all random we we ran a, a bracket pool we run one every year uh, obviously not last year but uh the first year we did it right jack a, a six-year-old one yep seven-year-old yeah he picked he picked yukon the, the year yeah, Shabazz Napier's here. He picked UConn to win it all. And we we're like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> well, sometimes the more absurd your reasoning is, the better it works out. Yeah. <laughs> I also I I do want to give a shout out to Drexel for getting in as well. I feel like that I feel like that should be noted for, for us around the for, for us being around the Philly area. Good to I see feel you. bad for them too, because they're like the lone Philly school that's not in the big five. Right. <laughs> it's like, what do we have to do, guys? Like, you know, six shouldn't be that bad, you know, just just make room for one more. It's not that hard. <laughs> I like it. They're gonna, they're gonna prove them all wrong. We were talking a little bit about Rutgers in the beginning before we hit the record button, and 
if anyone knows me personally, they know I was very upset last year around this time. I was like in denial. I didn't, th- I thought the tournament was going to, I'm like, it's going to happen guys. It's going to happen guys. Oh, and the longest time. <laughs> right. Um, but it looks like we're finally going to be back. I believe it was 1990, either 1990 or 1991. The last time Rutgers made yeah. it. So it's been around 30 years. Um, I don't know what, what Craig, what do you think Rutgers ceiling is? Don't break my heart here. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they could. I think they could win a game because, in some ways, I think that their record is deceptive. Um, like, I think that they're a better team. You know, I think they're like fifteen and ten now. Like, I I think they're a better team than that. Like, they were in the top fifteen at one point earlier in the season. Here, like, Ron Harper Jr. is one of the better players in that conference. And I don't want to say I'm biased. Like, I grew up like just you know like just south of Big Ten country. But like, that's the best conference in the country. I think like without question. Yeah. Um. So they beat on they beat up on each other so much. And you have, I I mean you've had two teams there, or I guess three with Illinois, Iowa, and the Michigan that have created some uh, separation. They're like I I I think they're better than fifteen and ten. I would at the very least, and it would depend on the matchup. I would at least probably pick them to win one game. Even if they're like in 11 seed, I would pick them to probably beat the six. It would depend upon who the six seed is, or they may end up in a spot I don't think they will, where they're um, where they're the um, where they're in a playing game. And obviously, if you're in there, like you're against a you know a team that has a similar resume. And uh, in that case, I would side with the team that's um, you know that comes from, from the better conference and has the better pedigree. Um, so yeah, I would, um, you know, I don't want to guarantee anything, but um, yeah, I would pencil them in for one win and depend upon who they play in the second round. Like if they're in 11 seed, they may catch like a pretty weak three seed. Cause like, honestly, outside of like the top four or five teams, like I don't, there's nobody in this in the country I have that much confidence in. So you know, there could be a run in store for him. I don't want to get your hopes up too much. But... <laughs> it's all right. Dream, dream scenario, I guess. We we get in that 7-10 game, and then we play like a like you mentioned, Houston, or um, I don't know, maybe like – I know Alabama is really good this year. they got a great offense, but I'm thinking like someone like that, and maybe, I don't know, maybe get to the Sweet 16. But, yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess you could say. You mentioned how there's not a clear, like, powerhouse, and – I meant to look back on like past top 25s and I guess it's con- with all things considered this year that may have contributed to it, but I feel like there's a lot of losses in the top 25, like the top 10, there's a lot of like eight, there's a couple eight loss teams in the top 10. Like, I feel like that's never happened before. Like, do you think, I don't know, like how do you think that could play into the tournament? I mean, I think you could get some teams kind of like the the scenario with a Rutgers where like they're deceptively, I mean, I guess they'd be uh, deceptively bad. Yeah, where they're, where, they're, where they're a much better team than the record indicates. Um, you know, like Purdue's that way. Purdue, I think, has eight losses there. I think they're like 20th now. Um, but that's a really good team and they're coming on now. So like, I think that those teams are potentially dangerous. Like I honestly don't even know in some cases, like how much separation there is between a team who's like, you know, 21st or 25th and a team that's, you know, six or seventh, you know, like I think right. in my, in, you know, cause I think on my most recent AP though, I think I had like Oregon 25th and Oregon's a really good and really talented team. Like, it, you know, the Pac-12, yeah. not a great league, but it wouldn't shock me at all if Oregon like made a run to the elite edit or even the final four. Um, so I think it'll be, 
I think it'll create for some level of chaos. Um, like I think this will be a year I think you'll see a lot of like six seeds, maybe even seven seeds in the, you know, in the sweet 16, maybe even getting as far as the elite eight, maybe even the final four. Um, just cause again, like outside the, the, there are four teams I have a good deal of confidence in with it being Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Illinois. And even among those like Gonzaga and Baylor, I have much more confidence in. So like really you could argue outside of those two, cause like Michigan's been slipping a little bit and Illinois right. is a weird team where like, got wins against like Nebraska and stuff where like I, I I don't fully trust them yet either so like it, it wouldn't even shock me I think that they would prevail because I think they just have so much top end talent but like in eight or nine seed giving them a tough time assuming Illinois ends up being a one like that wouldn't shock me either I'm really I'm just all in on Gazaga as well it sounds like you are as well I mean they 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 lead the nation in scoring by seven points I think they average like 92 a game and you know their competition's a little bit like not as strong as as obviously Illinois or Michigan a team in the Big Ten or Big 12 like Baylor but they're just dynamic and I think they got a nice blend they got that uh Jalen Suggs who's gonna probably be a lottery pick um and then Corey Kispert you know from shooting like 45 percent or something from three so I I, I don't know I really like Gonzaga I, I think that they might be my pick so it's hard to go. I, I was. I, I always wonder how many how many years is it going to take when, before people start or, or stop um, only bringing up their their like strength of schedule when talking about mm-hmm. them. Because eventually, if, if they keep winning games, eventually you're going to have to stop saying it. But it, it's they're even they're so much different than they normally are. Just with Jalen Suggs creates a, a world of difference to them because this is the first time in, yeah. I mean, a long time when they've had like that legit like lottery pick type of talent. They they just never get that and. I was wondering if that was going to help or hinder them going into the season. Cause with that kind of team, you wonder if that, if that like, you know, kind of hurts the way they would normally play, but he seems to fit right in and it's been, it's been really fun to watch. Yeah. He's incredible. I, I mean, like this is, I mean, I think at this point he's probably like a top three draft pick, um, you know, and they've had Adam Morrison uh, before, but even back then, like they didn't have as much around him. Like this is such a well, uh, well, re- well-rounded team. And I go back to, I, I, I guess the one hesitation maybe some people get with them as they look back. I remember their 2013 team. They had lost, I think, maybe one or two games dur- uh, during the season that year. I guess Kelly Olenek was their star player then, which is, you know, I, it's hard to think of people seeing them as a world beater when he was their best player. But, I, I mean, he was a fantastic college player. Don't get me wrong. But, um, but like, yeah, they, they just, you know, Suggs is great. And, like, outside of him, like, they're – the one thing that stands out to me with them is even like the better teams they've played West Virginia is the only team that's gotten with in single digits of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gonzaga still won that game fairly comfortably. I mean, they won by five. So um, they beat, they beat Iowa by, I want to say like 12, they beat, they beat Virginia by like 24 or something. Um, and they just, they're of their starting five. This is one of the crazier things. So these like positional awards, um, you know, like the Carl Malone award, the Bob Cousy's he's the one for the point guard, um, yeah. the Carl Malone one, they should probably rename that one. But, uh, <laughs> it, wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the whole statutory rape thing with him is probably, probably not, probably not great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, but of those awards, um, so uh, the, four of their five starters were finalists. So to be a finalist, I think you have to make the top five. 
So theoretically, four of their five starters are among the five best players at their position in the country. Wow. Which like nobody else has anything close <laughs> to that. Right. Yeah. And you were saying earlier, but like Kansas, they win by 12. Um, West Virginia, they won by five. They beat Iowa by 11. They beat Virginia by, like, yeah, 23. And like, and they beat BYU twice. Like they just, it doesn't matter who they play. Like they're just, they're elite. There's no denying it at this point. Um, anything else you guys want to ask Craig? I, I, that's, I think, all the questions I had for him. Um, anything else come to mind? I think. Oh, wow. If you, uh, as, even though we don't know seeds yet, if you had to predict, if you had to predict like a championship, or actually, you know, it, what what championship matchup would you most want to see currently if, if you had to choose? I'd probably say Gonzaga. Actually, no, I don't think I would say Gonzaga, Baylor. I would say Gonzaga, Michigan. Um, I mean, Baylor is a very good team. They're, they're, they're a little more defensively oriented. Like pretty much every, every team that's good plays well on both sides of the ball, Iowa notwithstanding. Um, but I think that Michigan with the way that they run their offense, like it's pretty much an NBA offense. Um, I think that that would be a hellaciously fun matchup. Like that would be one of those ones, like the, my favorite championship games over the course of my lifetime were ones that were fairly high scoring. Like I, think of Illinois and, and Carolina, Duke and UConn, like back in the late nineties, um, Louisville, Michigan, although I guess according to the NCAA, that game never happened. Um, like those are the ones that I think are fun. And I think that this game would have the potential to be that. So yeah, probably Gonzaga Michigan's what I'd be pulling for as far as a championship game goes. I a hundred percent agree. I think Gonzaga clearly has to be in that matchup if you're talking about most exciting, but I think, I think I'd rather see Michigan too, for sure. I just really like Juwan Howard in general. I'm a big fan of him. Yeah, he's great. Like that was a, I, I, I remember when that hire was made. I mean, it was in June because Beeline had left for the NBA and given the timing of it. I mean, there were a lot of people who I think sort of second guessed in some ways because it's like, well, he's an NBA guy. Like how will he handle college? And he's done a good job. Like he's bucked a lot of like stereotypes. I think with those guys, it's always like, oh, are they willing to, uh, to recruit and to, because that's a pretty tireless pursuit um yeah so i i think that he's done really well with a he hired a great staff he's clearly a great coach um it's it's just cool too because he's at like the place where he was a big star and like i remember his introductory press conference when he cried like and those weren't like crocodile tears that that was like legitimate emotion and to be able to see him follow up with that by not just being successful but being this level of successful has been pretty cool to see yeah agree all right well thank you craig thank you for taking the time i know you're you're a very busy man for for talking to us for 45 minutes here or so we really appreciate it um but yeah i i'm just i'm so excited i, I can't i it's been two years yeah. and this is i, I really missed like it last year. <laughs> i i understood completely why we didn't have a tournament last year but i'd be lying if i said it, it wasn't a bum or like <laughs> that like Thursday and Friday where I'd be camped out on my couch all day watching games, oh. like being deprived of that was, uh, you know, and being stuck inside all day, given mm-hmm. everything going on then like it, it was tough. So yeah, I'm, I'm super excited, but I'm still like, there's, there's like still a small part of me that's afraid that everything will just get shut down and get some <laughs> like every team will end up testing positive or something. Oh, so, man. <laughs> don't say that. I don't want to speak. Into it. It's gotta be optimistic. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
All right. Um, well, thank you so much. Is there a specific place our listeners can go and find you yeah. and read your stuff? Yeah. Yeah. You can go to a post gazette.com slash sports. Um, I don't know if you have to put slash pit too, but you, um, but, but once you get to our sports homepage, you'll see an option for pit and all of our pit coverage is there, football, basketball, other sports that we cover, other kind of human interest feature type stuff that can all be found there. So, uh, you know, and if you feel like it, you can subscribe to, you know, I'm not holding the gun to your head. You can do whatever you want, but uh, <laughs> that is an option. Awesome. And what's your Twitter for the people? To That's right. There? Very good Twitter follow. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad someone thinks I'm like, sometimes I'm like, who the hell? Like, I don't think anybody finds it. Like I'm very like self-absorbed with it sometimes. Or, like, <laughs> It's at Craig Meyer PG with that, uh, with that rousing endorsement I gave of the, <laughs> awesome well thank you so much we really appreciate it thank you thank you, thank you. see you